Listener Production. Perry Cross founded Accessible Homes Australia. He's an in-demand keynote speaker and the founder of the Perry Cross Foundation on a mission to cure paralysis. He's also a fully aspirated quadriplegic. Whilst it's episode 549 of the 12-year-old award-winning small business big marketing podcast, it's also my most inspiring episode yet. And welcome back to your weekly dose of mesmerising marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reid. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And if you're not motivated, then you will be after what you're about to hear. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D, dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. 26 years ago, Perry Cross broke his neck in a rugby accident. It left him paralysed from the neck down and to this day he relies on a ventilator to breathe and he requires 24-7 medical care. But that hasn't stopped him starting and running Accessible Homes Australia, being an in-demand international keynote speaker despite being told he should never fly again, and he's the founder and CEO of the Perry Cross Foundation that has just one mission, to find a cure for paralysis. There's nothing more I can add to that. Putting aside the physical healing he needed to go through, which must have been immense, I started off by asking Perry how he coped mentally in those first few months following the accident. To be honest, at first, terribly. I was pretty crushed and pretty destroyed, as you can imagine. So you go through this really long period of grieving and a fair bit of mental destruction. And well, I guess over time you come to terms with things because things happen in life and you can't control it. And you just have to start to understand that things happen. And then you start to rebuild. And for me, it was about, okay, I've lost all my physical ability, literally. All I can do is see, hear, speak. You know, I can only feel the surface of my face. So physically, I can't do anything. And I rely on someone else to help me do everything. But I can still think. And I had to sort of refocus and work out what I could do. And one of the things I realised that I could do is I could talk and I love to talk and I love to meet people. And that was what sort of gave me a bit of inspiration and a bit of motivation to get into, you know, speaking and doing a few of those things that allowed me avenues to find myself again. Would you say you're the same Perry Cross post-accident as you were pre-accident? Or did something change in you that's given you this extraordinary mental capacity? Just to give the listeners a bit of background, I was probably a bit of a shit of a kid in a sense that I was a class clown. I was hyperactive, always on the go, loved to play sport. So I was the worst guy to have a spinal injury in the respect that I was never focused and I couldn't sit still. So I guess... I have evolved in a sense. I'm still the same guy, and you know, when I'm with my mates and we're having a beer, um, I'm still the same person. But I've realised that I had to knuckle down and apply my mind, which I, I never did at school. It was only the fact that I'd been injured that I had to, instead of being able to use my hands, I'd use my head. So and get a bit wiser and a bit smarter. So yeah, you you have to work with your strengths and. My physical body wasn't my strength anymore, so I had to apply myself, yeah. Did you have someone alongside you in those early, I imagine you were surrounded by people, but was there anyone in particular that very lovingly told you to pull your head in when you lost hope? I guess you lost hope at some point, but like someone who just was offered this beautiful, brutal love, I suppose. Yeah, so it's my mum, and I've got to be honest, my mum has been the most incredible person in my life. In my life, and I hope most people 
can say that they're fortunate enough to have loving parents. And I know some people don't, but it has been the most impact on my life is my mum's love and care and support for me. But my mum's tough love as well. So I was in hospital early days, couldn't speak, couldn't you know, eat, drink, basically on death's door in the first few weeks after my injury. Literally, the, doc- the doctors didn't give me much hope of living. And I'm on life support as well, I must add, so I'm, I'm fully ventilated. So my mum said to me um, early on in the hospital, do you want to live, you know, like, are you going to fight on that sort of conversation? And it's pretty confronting and I, I didn't want to die. You know, I wanted to live. But she made me realise that if you were going to live, you couldn't just sit around doing nothing sort of thing. And that was probably the love I needed for her to make me appreciate that I was still alive and that life has a a lot to offer no matter where you are in life. You've still got to make the most of it. So, you know, my mum's love for me has been harsh. We still have our moments. We still have our arguments. But I love her for everything she's given me and the fact that she didn't let me fade off into another, you know, realm in a sense. So, yeah. Wow. What an incredible woman. And I kind of guess you've probably got a lot of her in you and you would, you'd you do the same for your child if, you know, something untoward were happened. Can you, can you reflect, Perry, on that hockey stick inflection where the turning point where you've been through hell and back and you've had moments, little glimmers of like hope every now and then, but you've gone back into a dark place. But then there was, was there a moment for you where you've just gone, I'm on. No more Paul Perry. I'm going to embark on something extraordinary. There's been a few, but you still wander back into those moments. And I'm not going to lie, like, everyone has their, their dates. Where you go, is this all worth it? What am I doing? What am I doing wrong? You know, like, because it feels like you've lost hope in a sense. So I've got to admit there are moments where I don't, you know, you lose that self-confidence, but you still got to go and get it again. But I guess to answer your question sort of directly, there was a moment where I was fortunate enough in the early days to um, meet um, Superman actor Christopher Reeve. We had the same spinal cord injury, and I was fortunate enough to be able to meet with him and talk about um, medical research and about how we were going to cure paralysis and all this sort of stuff. And this was back in the 90s. And I think talking to him was a moment for me to go, right, there's work that needs to be done and we're in a unique position and no one else is going to do this work. You're going to have to do it for yourself if you want to make a difference and if you want things to change. And I think if you're passionate about what you do and I'm probably going to slight advantage of people because I'm paralysed. I've got a real need and a real urgent desire to do something. It's a bit of an advantage. Just keep passionate about this. That was my moment where I I said, okay, here's an opportunity to make a difference. Here's an opportunity to, to make a change. How did the meeting come about with Christopher Reeve? Yeah, it was a a bit of a strange situation, but I was just super keen to meet with him. I travelled to America. There was a, it was a fairly long sort of story, but I'd been told by doctors that I'd never be able to fly, and they said to me, you know, don't ever sort of hope to ever be able to travel on planes and all that sort of stuff because it's just too difficult. And then there's a severe risk with blood clotting and all these sort of complications that come with spinal cord injury. And um, so I sort of never really focused on getting on a plane, but then Christopher got injured and I was like, well, I want to just go to the States and talk to him about this situation. And I was fortunate enough to be able to get the support I needed from a few friends and people that had connections. And I got onto Qantas and Qantas said, oh, look, We'll help you sort it out. My doctor signed off on the medical clearance forms and then 
sooner or later we got on a plane, flew to the States. I was in New York at a function, was raising money for medical research to cure paralysis. And his wife at the time was in the elevator that we were in and um, we got out and I got a chance to speak to her and I said to her, oh, look, I'd love to meet Christopher. And she said, oh, look, he'd love to meet you. So she sort of arranged this meeting and the, we got to the meeting. Anyway, the first thing he said to me was, um, you know, how did you get here? And I said, um, well, I flew. And he said, oh, yeah, but my doctors have told me that we can't fly, you know, in this situation. And I said, yeah, well. I mean, <laughs> and that's coming from Superman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, um, I've managed the situation by doing this, this and this, gave him a few ideas of what we did to fly and how we dealt with the risk. And um, then he was able to travel overseas after that, which for me is amazing that sharing that sort of inspiration, but having that Aussie attitude of, you know, we can do this, like, because so often in life you'll be told there are things you just can't do. And if you take that on board, I think, then you risk not being able to get out and do things that we should do and wrap yourself in cotton wool. And I've never been one to wrap myself in cotton wool. You can imagine on that sort of, that was that class plan guy, the, the kid that wanted to do everything. So, um, yeah, so now my claim to flame in life is that I was the guy who taught certain how to fly again. So. <laughs> you must have experience after, or moment after moment, Perry, where either someone says to you, oh, you can't do that, or at least they're thinking it and you feel it, or you say to yourself, geez, I don't think I can do that, but you end up doing it. Do you find that happens often? Daily, I think. <laughs> Daily. And, and I, yeah, I, and my mum has been the one that, you know, constantly reminding me as well. But, but there are days where you go, gee, I never thought I'd do this or I never thought I'd do that. And literally with my support team, my care team, we're always talking about things that we haven't done that we should be trying to do or how we can do it or what needs to be made or invented to make it happen because there are just things that haven't been done yet or thought about or considered. You know, people in wheelchairs have a pretty restricted, limited life because not every place, house, business is accessible yet and part of my journey and passion is to make sure that we improve that and, um, you know, motor vehicles and boats and planes and all these sort of things that are the built environment and just haven't been um, thought of for people with mobility issues. Well, I'm going to talk to you about Accessible Homes Australia later on and the foundation that you've started as two businesses or a business and a not-for-profit that you've got going. I, I have an unusual question for you, Perry. Well, probably, I have probably one of many, So, <laughs> but I met Paul de Gelder a few years ago. Now, Paul is a Navy SEAL who was attacked by a shark in Sydney Harbour and lost an arm and a leg. And um, you may have even done a speaking gig with Paul, I don't know, but he's an amazing, amazing fellow. And I asked him, after hearing him speak, and after, I was emceeing the conference that he was speaking at, and after hearing him speak, after meeting him backstage, after spending a half day with him, I'm going, this guy has got so much to offer. He's so incredibly positive. I have to ask him, are you glad that you're attacked by the shark? which is a very unusual question, particularly coming from some bloke who swims in the ocean every day. And his response was, I kind of wish it hadn't happened, but the fact that it has happened has led to an amazing life for him. On some level, are you glad this happened to you? I guess um, it's a similar sort of answer. To Paul's, I mean, I'm, um, you know, in many ways, wish it never happened because it's such a challenging, difficult way to live a life. There are so many obstacles every day that you deal with, and so many risks that you deal with. And so, part of me says, "No, I didn't. I would never want it to happen." But part of me says, "Wow, okay, it's been an amazing journey since." And I guess for me you make the most of that situation. So I've, 
I've been sort of fortunate in the respect that life has given me many opportunities, been able to do many amazing things and meet many great people. But at the same time, it comes at a price. It comes at that, you know, I don't have many things that other people probably have, like family and all that sort of stuff that, you know, you miss out on as a person with a spinal cord injury. So, yeah, it does come at a price. Are you a spiritual person at all? Do you reconcile it to say, well, now I know why I've put up, been put on this earth? Because personally, just having watched interviews you've done, read about you and now meeting you a couple of times, you're clearly here to inspire others, which may be cold comfort, but are you sort of clear as to why you're here now? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily, like, set out to inspire people. That's not what you're sort of trying to do every day. You know, I'm, I'm in my own lane doing my own thing. It's what I sort of try and say to people is, you know, I'll stay in my lane and do my thing because it's so, it's pretty focused in a sense. What I'm trying to do is very narrow path that I'm on. But I guess if people, you know, see and take inspiration from what I do, then that's, then that's fantastic. And to answer your question, um, well, are you spiritual? Like, Tim, is, is that something yeah, I am. you are? Right. And what do you classify as spiritual, I suppose, is it my question to you? Because I've got an answer, but I'm curious to know what you're thinking. Yeah. You're a, great, a great question. Never ask a question you don't have an answer to. Yeah, um, that's right. I, I think for me, spirituality, my spirituality is there is something greater than us that gives us, I don't know, the power or the energy or the will to go ahead and, and create and, and be creative beings, which is what we are. So it gives me hope and it gives me comfort to sort of go back into that. And for me, that does, I do that through meditation. Okay, well, I well, probably agree that there is something bigger than us and something that helps lead us. I'm a big believer in um, gut feeling and gut instinct and those sort of things, universal energy and messages coming to you and from you. So the phone rings or a person messages or you get an email or you think of someone, all those things where you go, wow, that's a coincidence. Well, maybe it's not a coincidence. Maybe there are things that are talking to us. Yeah. Mm, yeah, well, Perry, describe a typical day for you. Yeah, we kick off, you know, sort of 5.30 in the morning and the next, I guess, two hours are just basically go-go with personal support, getting up and getting ready and my care team. I have a team of carers that work me 24-7 to help support me, so that includes bathing, showering, dressing, you know, eating, drinking, all those sort of simple things that everyone does for themselves. I require people to do that for me and my team of people are amazing people that help me to do what I do because I couldn't do it without them. So that's the start of the day and then pretty typically straight into early morning emails and what's on for the day. Some mornings we might get out to the beach because I live, you know, pretty close to the beach so we, which we'll get a walk along the beach but but if it's some, a weekday where in the office or working from home on the phone I don't eat lots because I don't burn a lot of energy like I'm not obviously I'm not a runner <laughs> so I'm, I'm um, well maybe you should start yeah that's right I'm working on it I don't eat a lot I drink you know water and a sucker for a coffee so um that you know Normally it's really through the day and I snack on nuts and fruit or whatever it is to get me through. But um, And then dinner's pretty early and, and I'm in bed asleep at 8.30, 9 at night. So I need the rest, you know, because there's a lot going on. Your body's obviously trying to rest and recover. So um, but it's nothing out of the ordinary thing. So tell me, let's talk business. And I'm interested in your first foray back into 
earning an income after your accident. The accident happened when you were 19. Uh, I don't know whether you were working or studying or whatever you were doing. So tell us what you were doing when the accident happened from an employment point of view. And and then I'm interested to know what was that first step back into, into earning an income? Yeah, so at the time of my injury, I was working in sales in my family's business, which is in flooring. So my we've got a fourth, fourth generation flooring business on the Gold Coast called Crosses Carpets that my family has been running. And um, I was in sales at the time. And obviously I couldn't go back into the sales side of it because you were, you know, in people's homes measuring their flooring up and providing, installing flooring. So um, I wasn't doing the installation, I was just doing the sales, but that sort of meant that I couldn't do that. And um, so I tried to go back into the business through a sort of management role and use the computers to work in the office. And that did work. So my mum, Shirley, was the one running the business and we agreed to let it go in a sense that it just wouldn't work and I couldn't tolerate working there. And it was just, it wasn't me now because I couldn't do the office job that was required to help run the business. So I just started to go out on my own in a sense. So I quit or I got sacked, one or the other. I reckon Shirley probably sacked you. It's probably two, two different stories. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I I went home for a few weeks, sat around, did nothing, and one morning she came in and said, well, you, if you're going to, you know, because I was still living at home, if you're going to, you're not going to sit around and do nothing, so sort yourself out. And basically I enrolled in university and that wasn't me at all. Like it was... I had friends going to university. I thought, oh, okay, here's a chance for me to do something and grow myself. So I enrolled in university. I had really no idea how or what was going to happen. And um, I was fortunate. I enrolled at Bond University on the Gold Coast, and they were very supportive of me to come to uni, help me with providing me the lecture notes. And my tutors were fantastic. And I was fortunate that I just had him, you know, an opportunity to do that. And um, I guess that gave me some momentum, you know, because by meeting people, feeling like I was part of the community again, I can study and understand a subject at university that was that meant a lot to me. And I was um, coincidentally studying communications and marketing. And um, that's why I'm passionate about it. It's the, I think it's the key to business. It's the key to life, you know, if you want to be successful in life, you want to be a good communicator, you want to be savvy at, you know, looking good, feeling good, all these little things about your person, your person that also apply to business. So you get your degree out of Bond? Yeah, and that was me feeling like a sense of achievement. And I obviously talked about me and Christopher Reeve, but when he passed away, I set up the, the spinal injury research foundation to um, raise money to cure paralysis and then set about a mission to find a cure and fund medical research. And that's allowed me to sort of along the way support myself, but also pump a lot of money into medical research. These days we've funded over $13 million worth of medical research at Griffith University on the Gold Coast now. So That's called the Perry Cross Foundation. Its whole mission is to cure spinal paralysis. May as well go for gold. That is such an incredibly, what do you call it? What is a big, hairy, audacious goal? Obviously something that's incredibly important to you. But, like, how do you start something that would appear to be, I don't want to say impossible because everything's possible, but... I guess because you're just so incredibly passionate about it and being personally affected by it, is that just what drives you? But it just seems just so incredibly large goal. Yeah, so they call it the holy grail in terms of medicine. If we can cure paralysis, it's going to be the holy grail of understanding the human body, understanding the biology and the, the, the makeup of the cells and how the nervous system works. So it is it is the holy grail. But I guess to kick it off... There was a bit of a story. So I, when I was in the hospital, my mates decided to have a golf day for me to raise some money. And um, that golf day, we continued on because we thought, well, 
there's an opportunity to support other people and other causes. So the golf day that my mates started for me, I continued to run that golf day for the following years. And we distributed money here, there, and a few different organisations. And then as time progressed and Christopher passed away, I spoke to Shirley about how we can put together a group of people that would help. We had a, a very simple Pericross Foundation structure, which was basically allowed to distribute funds. It wasn't a not-for-profit. It wasn't a, a charitable organisation. But we were allowed to raise money and distribute money, but it wasn't tax deductible in a sense. So we were doing that for a little while, and it started to get momentum and traction, um, but we weren't sort of that sizable support that we needed to make a big difference and um that was the opportunity when i spoke to a mate um in a surf club over a beer about how we could sort of upscale the fundraising and and do it properly and he said look you're going to need to restructure the organization you have to make it tax deductible and that's when you'll get real support from the community and then so we went through that process and i'm you know super grateful to all the people along the way that have helped me through that process and I guess having that that structure around me and that has been able to support us to raise the money we need to fund the medical research we need to do. So a gentleman by the name of Professor Alan McCasey was the 2017 Australian of the Year. He developed this technology where they take the stem cells out of the nasal cavity in the front of the brain and purify those cells and then transplant those cells into the spinal cord. And there has been projects around the world that have seen people regain significant improvement in function and movement, sensory function. So we fund that medical research here in Queensland and we're optimistic that we're going to run a trial that will, you know, hopefully see people with spinal cord injury hopefully one day regain some feeling and movement, potentially walk again one day. Perry, do you... um run that business on a day-to-day basis? Are you the front man, the spokesperson? What's your role? My role is the founder and the executive president, but in that organisation I also have a very loyal and hardworking manager, Melissa Brown, who is tireless in her commitment to the foundation. She's been with us 10 years now and she's amazing. Without her support daily, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Our chairman, Tom Ray, and our incredible board directors that help us achieve what we do, make it all possible. So, yeah, that's my day-to-day sort of focus. But alongside that, I do other things, which is, I guess, it gets busy at times. I mean, most but most days are pretty full-on, pretty chockers. But um, it's interesting. It's interesting work. It's interesting because you meet amazing people. But at the same time, it's my commitment to make it... A, change in the medical research world. You got your, your qualification out of Bond. Was the foundation the first thing that you did or because I, I understand you, you had a, a public speaking career or probably still do. Is that Was that the first kind of... Yeah, I, I guess I probably overlooked that. Sorry, Tim. For a few years there, I was working in public speaking professionally you know, doing different things. At one point, I was travelling to Canberra with the Australian Defence Force and doing a bit of speaking with them and and then other organisations, a few of the banks and here and there. But I guess like any public speaker at the time, you sort of work with the organisations that are, you know, sort of seeking speakers and motivators to, to work with their team. So I've been unfortunate enough to do some stuff with former Australian cricket teams and all sorts of different organisations, community groups, schools, you name it. So it's been an interesting journey. I've been fortunate enough to meet some amazing people and work with some incredible businesses, but that's given me plenty of self-confidence and plenty of, um, you know, motivation to keep keep going because um, when you see other people sort of believe in you, that's what... I guess, helps. What inspires you? Well, I guess I know there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Like there's a, there's a big cavity for people with paralysis and a big 
cavity for people with that are, that are wheelchair users. And I guess that's what inspires me is there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this space. And I'm like, okay, well, we've got to put a ding in this. And if we don't do this, no one else is going to help do it for us. Like it's, you can't expect someone to do it and sit back and just watch. So that's part of what inspires me. But also I appreciate what we have. I appreciate, I'm grateful for the opportunity I have in life because it's no dress rehearsal and I've probably been to this place which was dark and terrible and awful and all those bad things and I don't really want to go there again in a hurry. So I'm like, well, every day let's make the most of it. Let's enjoy it. And if you're going to do something, you might as well do it really well. Do you find yourself, you're, you're, you're a bloke, you've got a speaking career, you've got a foundation, you've got a business in Accessible Homes Australia, which we're going to talk about shortly. You are a man clearly full of ideas, clearly in a hurry to save the world from paralysis and probably a whole lot of other things. You just must have this pent-up enthusiasm that's bursting to get out, but there's just not enough hours in the day. And you can't move physically, so you can't sort of shake it out. How do you manage that? I don't sit still very often. You know, I'm sitting here chatting with you, but I'm, my chair is, you know, normally moving a fair bit and we're normally on the go. But um, I, I notice you wriggle around a bit. Is that sort of part of that? Yeah, and it's just part of me never wanting to yeah. sit still, I suppose. Ener- I energy, been, energy releasing. Yeah. Yeah, quite possibly. And I, I, I can't even answer that, but yes. I don't know. It's a funny situation. I... I don't know what it is that's that's driving me, but it's it's something that's bigger than me, than maybe more powerful than me. I, you know. Yeah, no, you're, you're probably a great example of being very clear on why you do what you do. Which you know, if you've read the book by Simon Sinek, which is that you know, getting to your why. It's um, you're a, you're a great example of that. You're very much on purpose, Perry. Then you you start Accessible Homes Australia. This is a business that you're currently running. Do you want to explain? What is it and where the idea came from for Accessible Homes Australia? Yeah, well, as I said earlier, I was living at home with my parents when um, the accident happened and I guess my, that house was modified so that I could move home and my mum and my family have supported me over the years on different levels. Um, my brother and my sister have all lived with them at, at some point because I didn't have uh, my own home. And... Um, I saw a need for housing because there's no accessible housing in the country. Um, we just modify homes to allow people to live in the community, which doesn't really provide a long-term you know, infrastructure for the country. So the National Disability Insurance Scheme, which is a government scheme for people with disabilities in Australia, has a scheme inside it called the Specialist Disability accommodation scheme and it's getting a bit detailed and a bit confusing but that scheme provides housing supports or funding for people to move into accommodation that is purpose-built so my company with our other directors um i have three other directors which are great mates of mine from our school days that have specialist skills so tom ray um jason Dewar, and tim douglas they all have different backgrounds and we came together to form the company and I'm the founder and, and I'm CEO. Um, those guys have helped me to be able to basically build housing that's purpose-built. So we have, you know, wider doorways, wider hallways, all these sort of simple things, but we also have, you know, assistive technology in these places that allows voice control and voice activation of, you know, doors, lights, air conditioning, blinds, TVs, you name it. So I can control my own home just by simply speaking and move around pretty much fairly freely. So I was in desperate need of that housing for myself. The NDRS was a scheme that allowed us to, to provide it for myself. So then I decided, well, let's roll it out for more and more people. So now we're rolling out projects primarily on the Gold Coast at the moment. We have eight apartments in Palm Beach on the beach, which seven of those apartments are for participants 
in the NDIS, that are eligible for SDA, and they can rent one of those apartments and move in in the next few months. And the eighth apartment that's on site is a what they call an overnight on-site assistance apartment where those people that have disabilities can call on someone any hour of the day to come and assist them when they need support. So it's a bit of an efficiency in the scheme to be able to say if we cluster people together in everyday apartment buildings because these apartments are just apartments amongst, you know, other apartments in a building, then people get better efficiency and supports. You can provide, you know, multiple people support. So it's just a, a better way of providing support to people in the community. Apartment buildings are inherently accessible because they've got elevators, not stairs. So, yeah, it's, I just see it as a great way for people to live a better quality of life in more central locations and um, closer to community um, infrastructure. Perry, is the dream of Accessible Homes Australia to build like full communities? So right now you've got, I think you said you've got eight apartments within a high rise on the Gold Coast, for example. Is the dream to have an apartment block in each city that is 100% dedicated to people in wheelchairs or would that be too alienating in itself? It's it's a move away from institutionalised support. So the model you're talking about would probably be a traditional old school model. What we're talking about is something that's a little bit more in- integrated and innovative to say, okay, we're going to move people in smaller clusters into bigger community infrastructure. And that way you just sort of, ever it's a salt and pepper type model. You're not standing out from the crowd. We're just like everyone else living our lives amongst the community, but we have purpose-built housing provided for us. And that's my, you know, great dream in life is to see people be able to live normally in the community just as an everyday person and not, not feel like they need to be treated specially or anything should be too different. We just go about our day and do our thing, stay in our lane. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, um, is it a, is it right now? It's Gold Coast centric in terms of the apartments and and homes that you are creating through Accessible Homes Australia. Is it a dream to go national, international? Yeah. So we um we also have another site at Hope Island, but we've got. 11 apartments under construction. So we, we're rolling it out steadily. We're still getting our head around the scheme. And I've got to admit the government are still getting in their head around the scheme as well by how it works, who, who is eligible, what supports are available. But we will grow it. We've got sites that we're look, looking at on the Sunshine Coast, um, Darwin. Potentially it could go nationwide, but it's slow and steady. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but at the same time, we do have the dream to be able to provide more housing for people in similar situations that use wheelchairs and need assistance. You've got a very captive audience and I guess a huge amount of pent-up demand. Is Mark, does marketing play a role in getting the word out around that business or you really are just, you know, there's a, there's a line out the door? It's funny. We would we'd have thought there was a line out the door and we have had good interest in the business, but at the same time, it takes people a lot of understanding to work out whether or not they're suitable for these types of homes. So yeah, it's a very purpose-built product and marketing to those people and those participants is a very purpose-driven marketing style and marketing campaign. So we've had to be very focused on our communication strategy and um, today it's been reasonably successful, but it has come with its challenges and it has come with its delays. And um, we're always looking at new ways to talk to people. We're always looking at new ways to communicate. So we are yeah, seeking more people. I've got a good podcast you can listen to to get some marketing tips if you're ever interested. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> 
Perry, let's talk well-being. You, you look very healthy. In fact, you look weirdly like Christopher Reeve, or at least Christopher Reeves looks weird, looks weirdly like you. More to the point, I'm very interested in business owner well-being. There's a lot of tired business owners out there. What are you doing to stay fit of mind and of body? Yeah, I think you know, as I said earlier, look good, feel good, all those sort of things, which are they sound tacky and they sound corny, but it's so true and. Controlling, you know, my calorie intake is so hugely important. Like, we get carried away in the next minute. You've overeaten or you've, you know, indulged. Those things to me are super important. Plenty of sleep. Like, the last, you know, few nights I've had some good sleep and that's always important to make sure you're getting good sleep because you wake up, you feel refreshed, you, you feel rejuvenated. You don't get halfway through the day and go, oh, I'm done, you know, I, I can't give the best of myself. And that um, is what you want to be doing. And But there'll be days where you, you know, it doesn't always go to plan. And I think that's important that listeners understand, that, you know, I'm sure, Tim, you probably have those days yourself, don't you? <laughs> yeah, 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 more than you. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe not, but I don't know, mate. Absolutely, you know, we, we're only human. Well, I've got to say, you're looking fit and healthy as well, mate, so it's... I guess it works, you know, for everyone. If, you, if you're feeling fit and healthy and your mind feels strong, then it gives you the ability to go and do things that you want to achieve. Mate, it's absolutely, you know, it sounds like such a cliche and it sounds obvious and you wonder why we're all not doing it. But, you know, I've been 35 kg heavier than I am at the moment and um, mentally, physically, everything, you know, you're just worse off, you know. Simple thing. What does a day look like for you? Uh, I live on the Sunshine Coast. I uh, get up and swim with a bunch of blokes in the ocean off Noosa for a couple of K, go and have a coffee. Sounds terrible. Sounds terrible, I know. <laughs> See which one of us can tell the biggest lies over a coffee. <laughs> and then um, I, I race. But they're all retired, so I then have to excuse myself and say, excuse me, fellas, I've got to go and pay some taxes. And I race home smash some breakfast down and then get into work. I work from home and um, for me, you know, COVID has been pretty unkind to my business. I was a speaker and MC and that all those all that conference work disappeared. So for me, podcasting is is what I love. I love making a difference to the lives of small business owners around marketing and hence why we're having these kind of conversations. And then, um, you know, I try to wrap it up as quickly as I can and go and stuff around, you know. Get in my own way after that. I like it. <laughs> Perry, just to wrap things up, and thank you so much for your time, mate. I, I could, I, honestly, I could keep talking and talking and talking, but um, I'll probably bore the pants off you. But tell me, there are thousands of small business owners, there are thousands of business owners listening to this conversation, and you know, they're all different types of businesses. There's retail businesses who have shops, there are offices, and but just generally speaking, what do you say to business owners? What, what can we do better? to accommodate, and I just don't mean physically, but make it easy for people who are disabled or wheelchair-bound to have a good shopping experience? Is there sort of a top three that you can share with us? I think one is being engaging. So people shouldn't be um, disengaging. People shouldn't be too remote in their approach to people. You know, so be well, warm and welcoming like you would be with anyone else. We're not aliens, so you, you shouldn't stare at people. Like, you should feel comfortable around people. I always see when I meet people, I can't shake hands, right? And people feel awkward, which is probably un- not unusual because normally you would shake hands, although in the COVID world you tap elbows. So I can't even tap elbows. But um, I encourage people just to put their hand on my hand, on top of my hand, and just, you know, like a, a little low five sort of thing which is a, that sense of connection. So make sure you connect with people. And then um, I guess people are always obliging. And if I'm sitting in the street even or in a shop or wherever and or in a, someone's business and people go, oh, can we help? I'm not always, you know, respectfully say, oh, look, I'm okay. Or no, yeah, actually you can help. So I, yeah, I think it's about being respectful towards each other because sometimes people can be a bit too invasive as well. Like it's like, 
oh, there's a guy in a wheelchair. He must need help and he must be struggling. Well, no, not necessarily. So don't always assume things for people with disabilities either. And I think you can sometimes overassume that someone's, you know, struggling and might need help. So it's a bit of a balance. Keep cool, keep calm. No one's going to die or, you know, like, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with don't disengage and I'm really glad you said that because I'm as probably as guilty as anyone else where you do see someone in a wheelchair and you might give them a, you know, a little side glance and a smile and, you know, it could probably be a little bit more than that without actually going over the top and, you know, rolling out the red carpet and saying, you know, what can I do for you? But simply that that acknowledgement and you're no different to anyone else, buddy. So, uh, you know, I think that's great advice and, and advice that we should all take. And um, I said to you in the pre-interview, like, I'm a little bit embarrassed that after I think you'll be about my 549th interview, I can't remember what the episode number is, but certainly up around there. And um, you're the first... Um, I don't even know whether it's the right word, so please pull me up on it. But the first disabled person that I've, a business owner that I've had on the on the show, and um, uh, there needs to be more. You know, it's just lovely to get the word out and, and hear a different experience. I would totally endorse what you've just said. I would also like to see more business owners with disabilities out there in the community. But the National Disability Insurance Scheme is designed to build capacity for people. Let's encourage it. Let's make it happen for other people out there with disabilities because we shouldn't let it stop you from having your own business and doing your own thing. Let's support other business owners with disabilities go out there and do more. Perry, one of my mantras is there's never been a better time to start and market a small business. And I think I'll add to that now, which is there's never been a better time for a disabled person to start and market a small business because the amount of online businesses we're seeing, the, the internet is such an incredible enabler. Look at the smile on your face. <laughs> That's a perfect analogy, mate. It's so true. There's never been a better time. Now's the time to get amongst it. Totally. All right, buddy. Well, listen, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for making the time. I feel honoured that you've come on this little podcast and shared your journey. And, mate, anything that we can do, I don't know whether a, a question without notice, but uh, are people from a lot of different walks of life listen to this podcast over the last 12 years and some amazing things can happen. Is there is there an ask? Is there anything that you, the foundation, needs right now? Yeah, we always need supporters. The Pericross Spinal Research Foundation, you can find us online. We're always looking for more and more supporters, more donors, so check us out. Awesome. And you can also find Accessible Homes Australia at accessiblehomes.com.au. Perry Cross, you're a superstar, mate. Appreciate it, Tim. Thanks very much, mate. Well, there you go, team. Perry Cross, the most inspiring person I have ever met. How about you? A big thanks to listener Nick Dempsey of WorkLocker for introducing me to Perry. Great introduction, Nick. Thank you, mate. I've included links to Perry's foundation and business over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 549. But right now, here's what grabbed my attention from that incredibly honest chat with Perry. Attention grabber number one, everything is possible. Attention grabber number two, everything is possible. And attention grabber number three, you guessed it, everything is possible. Seriously, if you're struggling with some aspect of your business or personal life, then please take some inspiration from this legend of a beautiful human being who's chosen to find the good in absolutely everything. I'd love to know what grabbed your attention. So right now, hit pause and tell me by calling and leaving a message on the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline. The phone number, plus six one for you overseas listeners, 480-015-150. Just like listener Peter Jacobs did. Hey, Tim Reid, it's Pete Jacobs. Uh, the business is Live Your Own Fit. And we're currently rebranding into Life Performance. Uh, my wife and I co-founded it. We're health and performance coaches. Uh, my previous career, I was a professional triathlete and... Um, was actually their Hawaii Ironman world champion in 2012. You know, now we're health coaching and certified health coaches and, and loving it, loving helping people. And the tip that you've really helped me with that I've put into place, thanks to your amazing podcast, 
is what I'm doing right now. Every week I listen to the show and I think, oh yeah, well when our when our website's perfect, when we've got the product perfect, then I'm going to ring up. Then I'm going to say, you know, everyone, this is it. This is what we've done. This is how Tim helped me. But, you know, this is it. Ringing up and being vulnerable, saying that everything's not perfect. It's really hard juggling so many things and trying to wait till everything's perfect. But, you know, this is it. And I would say that the thing is networking. I've really stepped up, you know, just trying to connect with all my connections over LinkedIn and Facebook and all of those things recently, um, contributing to other posts on like websites and, and like Facebook posts around what we do, like low carb, health coaching, insulin, those sort of obvious topics. So yeah, I'm um, trying to get my name out there those ways. And just by calling you up and saying, hey, everything's not perfect. We're not ready to market, but I'm just starting that process of putting it out there, being vulnerable and starting networking. We're here in Noosa as well, actually. So hopefully see you around the beach sometime and I'll thank you in person for all your help and support. So thanks very much, Timbo. <laughs> thank you so much, Pete. Wow. I have a Hawaiian Ironman world champion listening to my little old podcast. I'm honoured. Be vulnerable. Stop waiting for perfection. Stick your head above the trench. Even a world champion Ironman struggles with his stuff. So no more excuses, guys. Stop sweating the small stuff. Take a risk. Stick your head out. Make a difference. Pete has. Perry definitely has. And now it's your turn. So start by calling the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline and saying hi. Tell me your favourite episode and why or share a marketing tip that's working for you. Maybe, maybe you've got an inspirational quote that moves you into action that you'd love to share. Call now and share it. 0480-015-150. Next episode, I have got another amazing treat for you. You ready? We catch up with Guy Grossi, one of Australia's most celebrated restaurateurs and celebrity chefs who's going to share how to create an unforgettable customer experience, a topic that I love and I can't wait to hear Guy Grossi's take on it. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Thousands of business owners already have, and they're loving it. I'd love to hear what you've got to say, so do give the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline a buzz. And if you're loving the podcast, you'll find 548 more episodes on the Listener app. As has been the case for the past 4,380 days, aka 12 years. This podcast has been presented by me, Timbo Reed, and of recent times, glued together by my producer, Big Dave Zulawenski. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now. Oh, and remember, everything is possible. Everything. Listener.